0: Welcome to the first episode of the Highland Ridge Builders podcast. Today we're very fortunate to have a professional speaker teaching this morning on the topic of five and a half views on Christianity and government. This is, I was going to call you Dr. Eric Gentry, but this is Eric Gentry. Thanks, Kyle. Okay, let's do this survey together. It's going to be a fun way to start. So if you've got a phone uh, or an iPad or something, you can either scan that QR code or go to the website there that's at the top, just type that into your browser. So tell me when you are, uh, when everybody's got it. Tell me if you have trouble with it. Waiting to start, sorry, I'll start. But once I start it, you can't, hear. I'm gonna stop it. So everybody can see that. Once I start it, that goes away. So go ahead and pull that up. Anybody having trouble? With the internet, it's not working. You might, yeah, I had to get off. I'm actually hot spotting from my phone. The, I had to get you know, off the... the of it's of right? not working. Okay, so you're going to have to get off Wi-Fi and use data, I guess. Sorry about that, I'll reimburse your data. Yeah. I won't. <laughs> yeah, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to not do that. Uh, all right, so is anybody, anybody still struggling to get on? Everybody on? Everybody on so I can start this thing? Alright, let's go. So, because it, it, we can't connect to the projector either, this is super small, so I'm probably going to have to read it for some of you, or you can scoot up, up here. So, the Bible is very clear about how Christians should relate to the government. It's probably on your phone, though, too, so I don't know that i have to be as worried about that. The Bible is very clear about how Christians should relate to the government. Yes, no, I don't know, I don't read my Bible. more responses coming in. We're up to 10 votes, there's more than 10 of you in here. The Bible is very clear about how Christians should relate to the government. Yes, no, I don't know. I don't read my Bible. <laughs> I've got 10 <laughs> votes. There's a lot more than 10 of you in here. I okay. Everybody's taking it. All right mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Miss. All right, here we go. Should I pay taxes? Yes or no. We're just i'm just asking questions keith <laughs> 13 votes we got 100 percent yes i'm going to advance that one should i vote Ooh. 12 votes all right 91 percent yes eight percent no i should be reading out the status sorry for the pocket <laughs> if an election if in an election the choice is between two evils, should I choose the lesser of the two evils or not choose? So, lesser evil or not choose. <clears throat> huh? That's interesting after the last question. Okay, there we go. If in, a, if in an election the choice is between two evils, do I choose the lesser of the two evils or not choose? So, we've got 54% say you don't choose. Fifty-eight percent, forty-one percent, saying the lesser of the two evils. Should I work for the government? So that could be, um, you know, all kinds of government jobs. It could be in politics, military, social service jobs, uh, anything. Should I work for the government? If you know, I have the opportunity and aligns with my gifts and calling and stuff like that. Should I work for the government? Hundred percent, say yes. No problem with that. <clears throat> Can there be a, quote, Christian nation? Is that possible or is that a fallacy? So yes, it's possible. No, it's a fallacy. Can there be a Christian nation? Huh. We're only at eight right now. Okay, keep <laughs> coming. So we're at 12 votes. So 58% say no, that's not possible. 41% say or 42% say yes, it is possible. America is a Christian nation, yes, no, back in the good old days we were. Okay, which one of those do you think? America is a Christian nation, yes, no, back in the good old days we were. What do you think? I'm really interested in all these people who are choosing not to participate. i don't know if the same, choose not to vote, right? America is a Christian nation, yes, no, back in the good old days we were. All right, that's interesting. So 21% say yes, we are, 71% no, 7% back in the good old days we were. I consider myself a Democrat, Republican, nonpartisan, or non-participant. Non-participant, pretty self-explanatory there, but you're not participating in the political system. I consider myself a Republican, Democrat, nonpartisan, non-participant. We're at 13 wow that surprises me okay we got 61.5 percent say republican 38.5 non-partisan governments are capable of contributing to human flourishing right now we're getting a little bit more technical now so human flourishing. Can you define human flourishing well we're going to try to define that here in a second but define it as you will basically so there, there, there's kind of like two typical views about what governments are capable of doing, one, being those, one of those being check evil and the other contribute to human flourishing. We're gonna talk about those two there. Human flourishing meaning the good of the society, the best for people. So eighty-four point, or 85% say yes, 15% say no. Which statement is correct? And this is small, I'm sorry. The government should answer to church, the church should answer to the government, or the two should stay in their own lanes. shouldn't interfere with one another which statement is correct the government should answer to church the church should answer to the government and or the two should stay in their own lanes seven votes right now huh so we're at 10 and we're going to say the church should stay everybody sorry the two should stay in their own lanes When a government violates human rights, Christians should intervene, yes or no? When a government violates human rights, Christians should intervene, yes or no? 100%, yeah. All right. 10 votes, 12 votes, 100% yes. My preacher should speak about politics from the pulpit. That could be me or Chris, somebody else, if you're visiting. My preacher should speak about politics from the pulpit. Now you're, like, afraid of offending me. Don't be afraid. Yeah. My preacher should speak about politics from the pulpit. For the record, Kyle asked me to do this class. So, technically not a pulpit. Yeah, technically, yeah. It's just, just a podium. Yeah, it's just a lectern. market research. Right, yeah, we're doing market. The next couple questions are market research. My preacher should speak about politics from the pulpit. 64.3% say yes. How many were 14 votes? 35% say no. My preacher should tell me who to vote for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so <it's>, uh, <laughs> I can talk about it as long as I don't say anything. Uh, all right, so we're at 13 votes for no. Sorry, yeah, 92% no. Oh, look at that. I like that person. <laughs> 7% yes. My preacher should tell me who to vote for. That's probably my wife. <laughs> this 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 answer is probably self-explanatory. If my preacher did tell me who to vote for, I would listen. Yes or no? I think I'm going to skip that based on the less. Uh, they're, they're already coming out. Oh, look at yeah, that. that. If my preacher vote. did tell me who to vote for, I would listen. Look at that. Just trying to make me feel better. <laughs> now everyone's changing yeah. it to yes. Sixty-four <laughs> percent said uh, yes. Thirty-five point seven. no. sorry, flip that. Thirty-five point seven yes. Sixty something no god bless america yes or no huh yeah that i guess i put it there but uh that's the yeah it's a question god bless america yes or no i don't know you you decide how you you want to answer that <clears throat> alright right, ninety-two point, or 93% say yes God bless America and 7% say no alright that's the end of the survey, the survey alright we're going to I just want you to be thinking about those results here <clears throat> alright faith and government I guess that could have been our title why doesn't everyone see things like I do I my first subtitle why the person sitting next to me in the pew is an idiot uh, but that didn't seem like the right thing to say at church so I just didn't and uh, this is what we're going with, five and a half views. And what I wanna think about today is not whether you should vote Republican or Democrat or not vote or uh, maybe not vote. Um, I guess really more what I wanna think about is historically, how Christians considered the way that they relate to the government, the way they interact with the government. And uh, there's kind of five historical views. There's a new view that I'm, I'm calling the half view. And what I wanna do is just cruise through them. And, and the way I wanna think about it, how it was helpful this out. It's a spectrum. It's really not a left and right spectrum. And so if, if, if we're going to go do it up, oh man, we're going to do it up and down. That's not that much better, is it? So political activity slash connection. So the spectrum is going from low political activity or, or no political activity to, to very high political activity in connection to the church. So we're gonna go bottom up. And so it's not what's at the bottom's worst, what's at the top's best. That's, I am was just trying to think of a way to chart it out. Left and right didn't seem like a good uh spectrum, as Kyle pointed out to me. So this is where we're gonna go with. So at the any questions before we get going? Does that make sense? How what time is it right now? Let's see. Ten twenty-four. So what's twenty divided by six? Twenty one divided by six. What is that? 20, three years. Okay, who's always wanted to tell their preacher to stop talking or to go shorter? Has anybody ever wanted to do that? You guys only do like 25 minutes here. So That's true. Taylor, you're such a kind person. Will you set your timer for three minutes and we're just gonna keep doing it and we're gonna keep moving on. All right, so you ready? Five views, the historical views. Okay, at the bottom is the Anabaptist view. So this is Hebrews eleven fifteen 15 to 16. This is kind of a passage that Anabaptists might draw on. If they had been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared a city for them. So Anabaptists are, uh, so you might think about Mennonites, Quakers, Amish, that group of people. They come out of the Protestant Reformation, which happens in the 1500s in Europe. Martin Luther nailing his 95 thesis to the church in Wittenberg, okay. The Anabaptists believed that the Lutherans did not go far enough in the Reformation. That was their only complaint, that they they didn't separate fully from the abuses of the Catholic Church. And so one of the things that they are really upset about is infant baptism, that the Lutherans continued to baptize infants. And so Quakers and Mennonites and Amish are much like us in that they they don't baptize infants. They believe that you should be a believer to be baptized. Well, that belief got a lot of them killed, hunted down and killed. Who were they hunted down and killed by? Governments. Okay. So when Luther separates from the Catholic Church, he, um, the Catholic Church has an army. The Catholic Church is aligned with many nations and in fact is a, a, a holy Roman empire. Okay. So, 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 so they have an army. So Luther's now facing this problem of not just angry preachers, but angry preachers and priests who have military. Right? At the same time that Luther's separating from the Catholic Church, there are kings... Switzerland, Germany, who are really tired of sending taxes to Rome. And so now they've got this guy who's starting this new church, which vicariously means if they join on, they're not gonna have to send money to Rome. And so, so they align themselves with Luther. And so Luther and the governments and this European nations become very tight, okay? And so Anabaptists are being hunted down by both Catholics and Lutherans. And so because of that, by their governments essentially hunted down and killed so because of that they are very suspicious of government you following that's kind of their origin story and they want a complete separation from government and and they might appeal to passages like this one that you are not longing for this country you're not desiring of this country that you live in or some other country here on earth you're longing for a better country a heavenly one the kingdom of god so they separate themselves from the rest of the world, and um, they believe like really clearly, in darkness and light, evil and good. And to that question earlier, if an election's about two evils, the choice between two evils, they would say, "You don't choose." All right? Because if, if you're choosing an evil, your hands are dirty. So, so they would not choose. Similarly, they don't participate in um, they're, they're typically pacifists, so they don't participate in war. In fact, most Quakers and Mennonites and Amish withhold the portion of their tax money that they calculate goes to defense spending, to military spending. They just don't pay it. Next. Next? Oh, man, it's so fast. So let me just say real quick, there's a lot of famous Church of Christ people who would be in this strain because Churches of Christ originate primarily in the South. How do Southern people view the Civil War? The War of... Northern aggression. So guys like David Lipson, much later, Batsall Barrett Baxter and others were pacifists and viewed that you, sh- you should not participate in government, you shouldn't vote. Uh, these folks, if they saw a meme on Facebook that said the only two people who've ever died for you are the American soldier and Jesus, they would want to kill somebody even though they're pacifists, right? Because that's, a, that's a, a merger of two things that should remain distinct. The government, First Samuel 8 Um, is the story of Israel asking Samuel and God for a king so they can be like all the other nations. So it's the start of government in Israel. right? And God lets them have it and he tells them what the king's going to do to you. He's going to take your sons. He's going to force them to go to war. He's going to have your sons killed. He's going to steal all your crops for his storehouses. And essentially all of Israel's kings do that. And the takeaway, what the Anabaptists would say is what God is saying is government is sinful. Government is a rejection of God. And he gave them government as a punishment for their sin. So we're not going to participate in that. That's not of the kingdom of God. That's of Satan. It's sinful. Are right, you following? Any questions on that? All right, let's go to the next one. Um, that's Anabaptist. The next view is the Lutheran view. Which is sometimes called the two kingdoms view. So let's put that up here in our spectrum. Does anybody feel like they're an Anabaptist, by the way, before I move on? Is anybody willing to say, like, I kind of feel some of those, those things? Yeah? Maybe? Maybe? You got some of it? All right. Uh, so, Luke, so if you want to think about the biblical warrant for the Lutheran position, the paradoxical or two-kingdoms position, you might think about Romans. Most people say Romans 13 when they, when they say, what does the New Testament say about government? Romans 13 is the one you go to. But if you start with Romans 12, you get a more complete picture. Because in Romans 12, Paul's talking about how Christians don't repay evil for evil. They don't take vengeance. They leave room for God's wrath. If their enemy's hungry, they feed them. They're not overcome by evil, but they overcome evil with good. And then he switches to government. He says, well, this is what government does. Now, you should be subject to them, for there's no authority except which God has established. And what governments do is they use the sword to enforce order, basically. They use violence to enforce order, is what he's saying. Read that while I'm talking if you want to. So, what they would say is going back to 1 Samuel 8 that government is not a sin, it's an accommodation. That God recognizes we need something in place to rule the secular world. So, so whose name is is in Lutheran? Mm -hmm. Luther, right? We just talked about him. And so, uh, Luther was big on, if so. Catholics, we would say, in Luther's mind, were big on law, and he was big on what? Grace. Grace, yeah. And Faith, yeah. So, um, what, what he thinks is that there are two kingdoms operating in the world. There's the kingdom of God, and there's the kingdom of this world. It's a secular kingdom. And that, essentially, we ask that question whether government should answer the church, church to government, or the two should stay in their own lanes. He would say the two should stay in their own lanes. So the government does law so they keep secular people in line by threat of violence, threat of force, and the church does grace. And that the government shouldn't tell the church what to do. And the church might remind the government of what it's supposed to do. And it might even get involved because the government is God's way of ordering the world. Okay. So it might help God in that project. Okay, but we're not gonna succumb to kind of the things that the ways that uh, the government goes about that, namely violence, right? We're gonna be very leery of that because we're, we're supposed to be grace people, and mercy people. Are you following? Uh, questions about that so far? Okay, so Herman Soss, he's a theologian. He said, there can be no Christian state, he would be a Lutheran. There's as little possibility of a Christian state as there is of Christian technology. What he means is something can't be a Christian unless you can baptize it. You follow that? So you you can't have a Christian business. You can't have Christian technology. You can't have Christian schools. And there certainly can't be a Christian nation, that the two are are separate kingdoms. They can't interact with each other, but they're separate. Martin Luther um, said the secular government is designed to restrain the unchristian and wicked so that they are obliged to keep the peace outwardly. So, government enforces behavior, but the church does belief, was the idea there. Um, because of that, government should not intervene in matters of the church, including things like marriage. So, Ted Cruz, when he was running for office, he said in a political campaign speech that when he became president, he would defend the sacrament of marriage. Time? Time's up. He said he would defend the sacrament of marriage. Okay. So an Anabaptist would say, like, you're full of it, Ted. Uh, but a Lutheran would say, sacrament of marriage? Well, who does sacraments? The Church does sacraments, Ted. Okay. So you might be able to deal with, like, if a married couple gets divorced, who gets the stuff, you know, end of life decisions, the kind of marital rights, but administering the sacrament of marriage Like making this marriage holy in the eyes of God, that's the church's job, Ted, and you can't touch it. We're going to stay in our own lanes. You following that? Okay. Bonhoeffer is a famous uh, Lutheran, and he kind of is the transition between the Lutheran view and what we're going to call the black church view. Actually, we're not going to call it what Political thinkers have called it. And we're going to go there next. But he said that when it comes to the abuses of the government that that a Christian has three options. Anybody have any questions on this? Y'all know who Bonhoeffer is? When I say Bonhoeffer, does that make sense? So Bonhoeffer was a German theologian who ends up being killed by the Nazi party because he participates in an assassination attempt on Hitler's life and he was a pacifist. So he said you got three options as a Lutheran. One is you help the state be the state. So Christians kind of stand apart from the government, and they may vote, they they may um, lobby or things like that, but they remind the government, your job is to keep evil in check. We're gonna keep kind of pushing you to do that. And so he says, you help the state, be the state, you question them regarding their roles as the state. He says, the second thing you can do is you can aid the victims of state action. So in his case, he's talking about Jews who've been bussed off to concentration camps. He says you could aid the victims of state abuse and the third option is when the existence of the church so when this when the state begins to breach over into the church's territory when the existence of the church is threatened by the state as defined by god it is not enough to bandage the victims under the wheel of the government but you must put a spike in the wheel itself so that's why this pacifist luther ends up trying to kill hitler because he says Essentially, the government has now attacked the kingdom of God. And this has a lot to do with the Lutheran church in Germany at the time that was sponsoring this racism and uh, murder. And so he says, what you have to do, if you imagine like a wagon wheel, right, what you got to do is you put a spoke in the wagon and so it flips over. You got a Christian that has the responsibility to overthrow a corrupt government. Questions? All right. So the next view is what's typically called the Black Church in America view. And as you might guess, it originates largely in the 50s and 60s, so folks like Martin Luther King Jr. And the goal of the Black Church in politics and the rest of life is the relentless pursuit of liberation, justice, and reconciliation in all spheres, all institutions. So government, schools, military, businesses, workplace, technology, all spheres. That's, the black church is interested in communal reform of all those areas, so government kind of falls under that radar. Um, so eight years ago, or nine years ago now, Obama gave a speech on race uh, because his reverend, anybody remember his reverend? Jeremiah Wright. Yeah, Jeremiah Wright was on tape saying what? You remember? Yeah. So God damn America he was on tape saying it. I want that in the podcast. We'll delete that. Right. So what was the context of that sermon? you remember? Essentially, he's talking about systemic injustice in America against people of color historically and in contemporary context. So if America continues to treat minorities this way, he's saying, then God should damn America. The, the, the subtitle of the white church view is the prophetic view. So that sounds a lot like Isaiah... Jeremiah, Amos, these prophets, right, who stand in judgment of the nation of Israel and other nations and say, because of what you're doing, God should damn you. God should damn you. Um, So he baptized Obama. He did his wedding. And I think the only people who were shocked by that statement are people who've never been in a black church, right? Yeah, Shanice, amen. Thanks, Shanice. Because, like, that's the that's the kind of not necessarily that explicit of language, but that's the the kind of rhetoric that's that's coming from all the time. Because you're talking about people who've been oppressed for 400 years in this nation, and right. So, what the prophet does is give voice to the people who are oppressed. So, the black church's relation to government is it, it hinges on that role, the prophetic role. Our our job is to give voice to people who are oppressed. Okay in all spheres, and that includes the sphere of government. So that's our role, we kind of stand not side by side with government, we stand above government. And we, we look down on them and say, you're screwing up here, this is what you should change. How are we doing on time there, Taylor? I'm, I'm guess I'm already over. You've got another 30 seconds. All right, so remember that the, so, um, you know, Martin Luther King Jr., for instance, all the speeches that he gave, he gave first in churches. And so those were political speeches but they happened first in churches in fact you know when he does the i have a dream speech he's up on the uh lectern at the washington memorial giving the i have a dream speech and the i have a dream portion was not originally part of the speech you, you know this right Mahalia jackson's in his back here saying tell him about the dream michael tell him about the dream and that was a, that was a a, a riff uh, which i guess comedians use in Preachers use too, right? Like a, a set piece that he had done in a church a few weeks earlier. That I have a dream of our little black boys and little black girls walking hand in hand, right? Or the white boys and the white black girls. When a black person hears a political candidate say that we're going to make America great again, right? Given the history of our country, the first question they have to ask is when was it great the first time? And and this is one of the reasons that um, today you know, most, so majority African Americans, if, if, if they were to vote, were to vote Democrat because of the difference between progressive and conservative, because conservative by definition means I want to conserve something that is or was. And, and there's no point in history that most black people want to go back to in America. Are you following? So, so they're gonna pick a progressive agenda because like the prophet, their relation to government, their, their desire for America is its aspirational vision of itself. Okay, what's good about America is what it desires to be. And our job as the black church is to help it be what it desires to be, which is actually equitable and fair. And so they will vote. They will participate, lobby, demonstrate. Questions on that? I'm cruising. I'd love to hear, have any questions. Okay, so we've got black church, Lutheran, and Anabaptist. So any, anybody feel like they're Anabaptists? Yeah, we had a couple hands. Lutheran, two kingdoms. They should stay in their own lanes. Kingdom of God, kingdom of the world, grace and law, maybe. Black church view? Anybody feel like that's kind of where they're at? Yeah? Winston, right here, Shanice? Okay. So the next view is what we call the reform view. Taylor, what time is it? It's 10.41. Uh, so this is Colossians 1, 1, 15 through 20, which basically says in summary, Jesus is Lord of everything. Okay. Everything. And the Reform view is that um, everything should belong to Jesus. And so um, Abraham Kiefer has this great quote. He says, There is not one square inch of the whole domain of our human existence in which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. Mine. That belongs to me. So uh the reform had this idea of what's called common grace. And, the, and and that means common so grace would be like a church term, common would be like a world term. And what that means is that secular institutions are capable of doing good. If if they're directed to do so. Right? They're they're capable of basically administering grace in the world. So Uh, things like institutions, schools, businesses, families, governments can be agents of worldly transformation. So they can contribute to human flourishing. If you remember the Lutheran view is that the government should keep evil in check. The reform view is that the government goes a step farther and should try to create human flourishing. So the Lutheran church says that human flourishing is only a result of grace and only the church can make that happen. The reform view says that the government can make that happen and should make that happen. And so the Christian's job is to help the government make that happen. If, let me back up there. And you know, in, uh, in the Constitution, it says that the United States government exists to provide for the common defense and what? Promote the general welfare inflation, to use of government. So Lutherans say they can only do one. The Reformed view says they can do the other, and it's the Christian's job to make sure they do. So James Dobson, you've heard like James Dobson? He'd probably be like the figurehead of the Lutheran view. He says the redeemed people redeem culture as they engage in it. And this has something to do with what David was talking about last week when we think about culture. Instead of withdrawing from culture, we should engage in it to shape culture is what Dobson would say. So Jesus wants to be Lord of everything—Wall Street, Hollywood, Washington. So you should you should go to Hollywood and you should make movies, not cheesy Christian movies. You should make movies as a Christian, right? And then you're you're shaping culture from the inside out, right? You kind of you enter the the secular sphere, whether that's government, Hollywood, Wall Street, business, as as like a missionary. You're going in there to to transform them. Okay, from the inside out. And because government, let me go back. These people said government is sinful, Anabaptists. Lutheran people said it's a concession, an accommodation. God recognized we needed governments in the world to keep evil people in line. What the Reformed think is that government is part of God's created order. It was part of his intent all along to bring about government. So it's a good thing, government is good. Yeah, Taylor? Oh, that's not a question, that's a three minute warning. Um, So you should be obedient. America um, has never been a Christian nation, they would probably say, but it can be if more Christians engage in the political process. So Christians should infiltrate government. Uh, In the 1920s, there was this really famous thing I've talked about before called the Scopes Monkey Trial, which is about evolution. And after that, uh, that really gave rise to what's called fundamentalism in church, or not in churches of Christ, in all churches, which is a very kind of rigid view of scripture and and often accompanied by a withdrawal from society. So we're gonna homeschool all our children. We're not gonna buy things publicly. We're gonna make our own clothes, stuff like that. And um, a lot of people are saying that that's what we should do today. Some people have called that the Benedict Option. Has anybody seen that language, the Benedict Option? He was a... um, a monk who withdrew and kind of created cloisters of society where we, we control our own culture as Christians. Well, what the Lutheran would, or not the Lutheran, the Reform person would say is since the Scopes Monkey trial, Christians withdrew from the public sphere. And if, if you're wondering why we don't have a Christian nation, it's because of that. Because they withdrew. And so that's the opposite of what we should do. We shouldn't be throw up our hands because, you know, our I was gonna say something about our president or, or some political person has done something terrible. We should say, well, duh, they've done something terrible because Christians aren't telling them what they should do. We should get in there and get involved. All right, the last view is the Catholic view. What time is it, Taylor? It is 1046. All right, so he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that works through the dough. And so really the Catholic view is the top. I said this earlier, the Catholic church not only is its own government, but has been aligned with so many governments over the course of 2000 years. Um, that, that they're often one and the same. And that, that really is the Catholic view in large part, that uh, the total merger of church and state with the church being dominant. So that the, the government still answers to the church's whims, but the church is dominant. They do have seven um, social teachings Catholics do that govern how they think you should interact or vote. They, they would say, To be a good Catholic means to be a good citizen of your country, so you should vote, you should participate in the Catholic, or in the uh, political process, because that makes you a good Christian, or a good Catholic. Um, I was gonna say something there, what was I gonna say? Social teaching, oh, so for instance, one of the social teachings is the dignity of life, so they have these seven teachings that are unchanging. This is one of the problems with the Protestant church, is because we kind of like catch on to fads, and then we, we go whole hog into those fads. So well, the Catholic Church has these seven unchanging social teachings. One of those is the dignity of life. And so a true Catholic who, you know, who's engaging politically aims to protect life at both ends, birth and, and death. So a true Catholic would be opposed to abortion and also opposed to what? Death penalty. Yeah, capital punishment. They would be opposed to both. So it's a more consistent ethic than than some Protestant Christians. When it comes to being involved in government, what many Protestants do is they just jump in and assume that they, they know what's best for the world because they're a Christian, right, and we all agree on everything. But then they're voting on different things. Whereas the Catholics are, are governed by, these seven things are most important. We could talk about those another time. And so you're gonna vote, participate, legislate along these seven parameters. The last view is a view called dominionism, and we won't talk about it much, except that um, the idea is that uh, Christians are the only ones who have the mind of Christ, so they should be in charge of everything. And uh, which sounds good at on one end. The other end, you might think about like Sharia law. On the other end, so a theocracy, where the religious people are the ones who are only in control. Well, that's that's good if if they're reading the bible right, if they're making the right decisions, it's also really dangerous. Um, so that's a new view that a lot of people are saying. All right, any questions? Just yeah. Question. So you mentioned that the Romans don't pay taxes to the defense but if they think government is simple outlaw, it's not correct at all. Well, because Jesus says to pay your taxes. And so that's that's why. And if Jesus said it, we'll do it. Because surely Jesus thought, in their mind, thought government was sinful, and that they killed him, right? Um, But he said to pay your taxes, and so they'll do that. But Jesus also says to love your enemies, and they don't—they can't reconcile how you can love your enemies and and pay for defense and war making, right? They, They can't understand the two, so they're gonna, yeah, not not pay that portion. Any other questions? OK, hopefully you can't tell where I'm at on this. Maybe you can. And I'm glad to talk to you over lunch sometime and and, and tell you why everybody else is wrong and I'm right. And no, <laughs> you can tell me why you're right and I'm wrong. All right, well, uh, that's just that's what I want to do today, think about those five views with you. And uh, now I hope you understand why there's a spectrum and not everybody sitting next to you thinks the same when it comes to political season and why people in the same church can disagree. And uh, hopefully that's helpful. Kyle. Yeah, it's great. It's good stuff to chew on. Um, I'm going to go ahead and end this hoping that it's still going. So if you're still listening out there, it's very impressive. Um, It's the end of our first episode, so there you go.